Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good afternoon, everybody. Today is Tuesday, January 19, 2021. And welcome to the Muni Lowdown. Today, we're continuing our series of guest speakers that we call State of Play. And today we have a major player in the municipal bond market. It is Mark Kim, CEO of the MSRB, the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board. Mark, welcome to the show. Young, thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Let me give a brief bio about you. You are currently, as I mentioned, the CEO of the MSRB. And before then, you were the chief operating officer for several years. And you also served on the Board of Directors from 2015 to 2017. And prior to that, you were the Chief Financial Officer of the District of Columbia Water and Sewer Authority, DC Water. You were responsible for establishing DC's Water's award-winning green bond program, which included the first third-party certified green bond issued in the US and the first 100-year green bond issued globally. Wow, 100 years. Previously, you also served as the Deputy Comptroller for the City of New York and worked as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs, UBS, and Fidelity Capital. So Mark, uh, I, I think I told you before uh, that we have someone previously on the show that you know quite well, Gary Hall. And seems like you also have the same kind of background. You have the, tr the financial trifecta, you have buy side. Sell side and regulatory experience. But I think you've trumped them in one way. Well, what would that be? Yo? Well, you have a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay. I mean, but you both have law degrees, so I think that's the, the one uh, that differentiates you two, but welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And, and fair point regarding Gary Hall, that he was a fantastic board chair of the MSRB and a great friend. And so to be able to follow him on a subsequent podcast is very fitting. I'm super excited to be here with you. And I would also like to thank DebtWire for hosting this podcast series and giving me the opportunity to speak to the MSRB stakeholders and to all the other people who may be listening in in the audience. And, and pleasure as, as ours as well. So uh, Dr. Kim, <laughs> so let's, let's start. You have been officially CEO since October 1st. I want to know what are your top priorities? I think there was a video you posted about several aspects. I think technology is one of them. Just tell us your, your priorities as the leader of the MSRB. Sure, I would love to. And I am really passionate about our market because it touches every single one of our lives each and every day. So it's an honor for me to serve as CEO of the MSRB. I like to say that you can't go a day without depending on something that a muni bond financed. Right. Whether it's the public schools that educate our children, hospitals that care for our sick, or even the public transportation that one day is going to bring us back to our offices. Public infrastructure is critical to the quality of life, and we have the privilege and responsibility at the MSRB of regulating the market that finances two-thirds of all public infrastructure in this country. As CEO, my focus will be on advancing our core mission and on delivering greater value to our stakeholders. So what is that core mission? It really rests on three pillars, our rules, our technology, and our data. And I'd like to just spend one minute on each of those just to give mm -hmm. you a sense of our priorities. Sure. So first, our rules. Our goal 
is not just to write the rules, but also to help regulated entities understand and comply with them. So facilitating compliance, especially through updating our interpretive guidance, will be our focus in the coming year. Second, our technology. In addition to our regulatory mandate, Congress also gave the MSRB a technology mandate to build information systems that will make the muni market more fair and transparent. Many of your listeners may not realize that the MSRB provides the technology systems that power the industry. For example, every time a municipal bond is bought or sold, it must be reported through the MSRB's trade reporting system within 15 minutes of the time of trade. 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We then turn around and make that information public so that price discovery can happen and that investors know where supply equals demand in real time. We are in the midst of a multi-million dollar, multi-year investment in modernizing our technology systems to take advantage of the power of cloud computing. So that's our second priority around technology. And finally, third, data. After the MSRB launched one of our other technology systems called EMMA about 10 years ago, the SEC designated the MSRB as the industry's sole and central repository for data. What this means is that we are the primary source of data for the market. And our focus will be on improving the quality of that data and delivering greater insights through big data analytics and new technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning so that investors can make better investment decisions and identify new opportunities. So, Young, those are my top priorities as CEO of the MSRB, our rules, our technology, and our data. I see. So, given those three things, what is the outlook for the mini market in 2021? Well, I'm an optimist, so I think <laughs> that the outlook for our market is bright. I expect that we may see record issuance volumes in 2021, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. This would mean that state and local governments are able to access capital to finance all the public infrastructure that I just talked about. And more infrastructure will mean more jobs, which will right. translate into more economic growth. And it also looks like we're gonna get a little help from the Fed, which mm -hmm. has indicated that it intends to keep interest rates low for the foreseeable future. And I think this will be another driver of issuance volume for two reasons. One, low interest rates means that issuers can finance more infrastructure, just like how low mortgage rates means that home buyers can afford a bigger home. Right. And two, low interest rates mean that issuers can refinance their outstanding debt, just like how many people are taking advantage of low rates to refinance their mortgages and lower their monthly payments or pay off their debt quicker. So I think that 2021 is going to be a good year for the muni market. Yes, and uh, I, I personally have taken advantage with, like you said, refinancing my mortgage. So I think a lot of people have done that. Uh, let's look back at, at in 2020 when the you mentioned the Federal Reserve. They set up the MLF, which was the Municipal Liquidity Facility. And I believe only two issuers uh, took advantage of it before it closed on December 31st. Do you consider it a success? Yes, I do believe the Fed's program was a success. And I think 
the right measure of success is not necessarily just the number of issuers that tap the MLF, but I think also whether it strengthened investor confidence in the muni market. And by that second measure, I think the answer is an unqualified yes. Anyone that was invested in the market in 2020 will, will remember that we lived through some scary times last spring when COVID-19 was declared a pandemic and states right. began imposing lockdowns and quarantines. The muni market experienced a severe dislocation in late May, early, uh, excuse me, late March, early April. Issuers lost access to the primary market and spreads blew out in the secondary market. Investors lost confidence and liquidity was scarce. The good news was that we also saw how resilient our market was in the second half of the year. And I believe that the Fed had something to do with that rebound by setting up the MLF. This provided a short-term liquidity backstop for issuers. I don't think it was ever meant to replace the capital markets as the mm -hmm. source of funding, but really to give investors confidence that the Fed was prepared to act to maintain orderly markets. And I believe it worked. Now, in full disclosure, I may be biased in answering this question because the Fed came to the MSRB at the beginning of the pandemic and asked for our help in setting up the MLF. Mm -hmm. And of course, we were more than happy to lend our expertise and to do anything that we could to help our market recover. So we loaned one of our senior executives over to the Fed last year to help them better understand our market and to help structure the MLF. Uh, and just to clarify, the two issuers were the New York MTA and the state of Illinois. So also looking back at 2020 with the pandemic, much financial damage has been done to state and local governments. That's going to be hard, hard to absorb in 2021. I know looking forward, Biden has talked about part of the stimulus package of lending money about, I think, $350, $350 billion to uh, state and local governments. What are the current repercussions from the damage uh, that state and local governments were impacted last year? There is no question that state and local government revenues have taken a big hit due to the pandemic. And it's not surprising if you look at the big three revenue sources, sales tax, income tax, and property tax. Two out of those three revenue sources have been directly impacted by the pandemic. When the states imposed lockdowns and quarantines last year, we saw many small businesses had to close their doors as people stopped going out and spending money. Those closures will impact sales tax revenues. And we all know about the millions of job losses due to the pandemic, which will have a downstream impact on income tax revenues. These are significant hits to state and local government finances. But again, I'm an optimist and I'm confident that we will be okay in the long run. I think it depends on how soon things return to normal and what that new normal looks like. But I'm more worried about the short-term pain that state and local governments may be feeling than I am about the long-term liquidity and solvency of our state and local governments. I think what you raised earlier about the possibility of direct aid to state and local mm -hmm. governments or maybe even through legislation that might reintroduce the Build America Bonds program or right. increase limits on private activity bonds or, you know, perhaps revisiting the deductibility of, of um, interest payments on municipal bonds. I think 
any and all of these types of initiatives could also help states overcome that short-term pain. Yeah, definitely. We will definitely monitor uh, going forward. Let's, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about LIBOR. I know it's supposed to end in terms of this year. Tell us the latest on that and your thoughts on, on that. So there is still a lot of concern in the industry around the transition from LIBOR to another reference rate, most likely mm -hmm. TOFR, mm -hmm. particularly since there's no guarantee that LIBOR will continue to be published beyond the end of this year. I expect a renewed focus on this issue from all market participants, including us regulators, as we approach the deadline for transition at the end of the year. Speaking of regulators, the SEC recently issued a statement last week regarding the LIBOR transition, which I thought was excellent. The SEC urged issuers to review their existing contracts to determine their overall exposure to LIBOR and to evaluate the risks associated with those contracts. The SEC also reminded issuers of their disclosure obligations relating to any material risks associated with LIBOR. For its part, the MSRB has been encouraging the broker-dealers that we regulate to review their activities related to LIBOR-based transactions and reminding them of their fair dealing obligations to issuers under MSRB Rule G17. Our goal is to ensure that issuers are informed of the risks associated with entering into a transaction that uses LIBOR as a reference rate. I have a great deal of confidence that the industry will come together in 2021 to address these LIBOR transition issues. Okay, we'll, we'll keep that in mind as well. Let's, let's go back to COVID and let's talk about the current status of vaccines. And the, with the vaccine timeline, it's probably developing faster than anticipated. Could distribution costs impact, uh, let's say, state budgets? Absolutely. And I think that we're still trying to figure out how we're going to pay for all of these pandemic-related costs. Mm -hmm. What I do know is that if these costs end up being material and potentially impact an issuer's willingness or ability to repay its bondholders, then issuers would be required to disclose that information to the MSRB by filing a material event notice on EMMA. EMMA is really where investors need to go to find continuing disclosures like these about the impacts of the pandemic on an issuer's ability to repay its bonds. We noticed last spring that issuers began to file these kinds of continuing disclosure notices. And so we created a COVID-19 disclosure report and have been publishing it on and updating it regularly on our website to shed light on the challenges that issuers are facing related to the pandemic, which include missed bond payments, revenue shortfalls, credit rating downgrades, et cetera. Going back to the third pillar of, the, of our mission being data, we have really been focused on extracting insight from the literally tens of thousands of COVID-related disclosures to identify those trends in real time to advance our goals of investor protection and market transparency. Mark, just two last questions, if you don't mind. You've been in, in, in the industry for a long time. I want you to look back, tell me uh, your thoughts about how public finance has evolved since you've been in the business. 
Well, I've been in the public finance business for nearly 20 years now, so mm-hmm. I've definitely seen the industry evolve quite a bit over the last two decades. As you noted, I started out my career in investment banking and mm-hmm. moved over to the issuer side, and now I'm a regulator. So I do have the benefit of having seen the industry from multiple perspectives over the years, and I'm happy to share a few observations about what I've seen change. First, the business of public finance now seems to compete on price, almost to the exclusion of everything else. The lowest bid often wins the day, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing, but when I see this coupled with dealers' inventories and willingness to commit capital shrink, I do start to get worried about the old saying, you get what you pay for. Markets can be messy, and the muni market is no exception. To make a fair and orderly market in municipal bonds, you sometimes need dealers to commit their capital to take down bonds to get a deal done that might be struggling in the primary market, or to leverage their balance sheets and support trading in the secondary market for a particular credit until the bonds find their home. I think dealers need to be compensated fairly for these important market-making functions. And if we only compete on price, we may risk disincentivizing these important activities to the ultimate harm of issuers and investors. Second, I would say that the financial crisis of 08 and 09 changed everything. It ushered in an era of tighter bank regulation and an expansion of regulatory authority over the industry. Specifically, the Dodd-Frank Act mandated fundamental changes to the regulation of our market. These included the regulation of municipal advisors who had never been subject to regulation before. As a result, the better part of our regulatory focus over the last 10 years has been on standing up a regulatory regime for municipal advisors, which included not only establishing professional qualifications to serve as an MA, but also establishing the key rules that govern their conduct and fiduciary obligations to their issuer clients. One trend that I have witnessed firsthand since joining the MSRB is that the number of regulated entities in our business both broker-dealer firms and municipal advisory firms, have been declining steadily over the years. And I see this in the registration data that we have each year. These declines can be explained in part due to industry consolidation as well as marginal firms exiting the business. But the question that remains unanswered for me is the impact of our regulation on the business and the extent to which regulatory burdens have contributed to this trend. I believe that it is our responsibility as a regulator to ensure that our rules are narrowly crafted to address specific market harms or regulatory gaps and that they do not impose undue burdens or stifle competition unnecessarily in the market. We need to get regulation right in order for markets to function properly, and that's one of our top priorities. Finally, 
I have seen our market evolve towards greater electronification of trading. This is a trend that I see across all of the fixed income markets in general and not just the muni market in particular. In fact, the muni market lags behind both the treasury market and the corporate bond market in terms of the percentage of electronic trading that happens on an ATS or alternative trading system. But the numbers are growing in the muni market. And this is a trend that I think will continue to grow in the coming years. Now, the market structure ramifications of electronic trading are potentially enormous. Could we see munis trade on a quasi-centralized exchange one day consisting of a network of tightly coupled ATSs? I think we could. Now, I realize that there are fundamental characteristics of fixed income securities that make trading on a centralized exchange difficult, like the vast number of outstanding securities and the fact that on any given day, most muni bonds don't trade at all. But the thought is exciting to me, and it's not inconceivable to me that muni bonds could continue to trade over the counter, but with many of the protocols that make equity trading on exchanges so efficient. So looking back, you know, these are just some of the trends that I've seen and the evolution of our business over the last 20 years, Young. It's really remarkable. Definitely fascinating. So Mark, last question. I know you looked back, but I'm gonna, my last question is looking forward, if you had a wish list to provide the next administration, what's your wish list for Munis going forward? I believe that the future of our market is in data. So my wish list for Munis going forward is data, data, and more data. I think markets are fueled by data. And as the industry's central repository for data, I feel that the MSRB has a special role in being a good steward of the market's data. Data has been a recurring theme in this podcast, and, and the MSRB has been investing in improving the quality of the data that we have, as well as extracting greater insights from that data to make our market more transparent, more fair, and more efficient. I think maybe a, a good place for me to end the podcast and to leave one thought with you about is to talk about our Emma Labs data analytics platform, which we are planning to roll out later this year and I'm really excited about. I think of Emma Labs as our innovation hub. It's a testing ground where we're going to prototype new tools and services and maybe even partnerships that will give the industry the ability to unlock the value of our data. This is really exciting stuff, and it is the future of the MSRB. I hope one day that I might even have the chance to come back and do another podcast with you, Young, about Emma Labs. So with that, maybe I'll wrap up my remarks. Well, definitely, Mark. You're welcome anytime. Mark Kim, CEO of the MSRB, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Continued luck and success in your role. Uh, in your life and hope everything works out for you in the new year. Thank you, Young. Same to you. And that is our show for today. Many thanks to Mark Kim, CEO of the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board, and to Christian Ayala, our producer, for making us sound good. And as always, many thanks to you out there, our listeners, 
who tune in week after week to the latest on distressed media debt on the media lowdown produced by Debtware Municipals. Have a great 2021, everybody. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Media Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.